Hello, thank you for joining us. This is the Friendly Reminder Podcast. It's your weekly friendly friendly reminder of what's going on around the world, in our lives, and everything in between. Uh, my name is Gus, and I'll be your host once again. It is August the 28th. And as always, I do have my two dear friends with me. Uh, Daniel, let's start with you. How are you today? Good, Gus. How are you doing? Pretty good. I mean, it's been a bit of a somber week. We're going to talk about it. But other than that, all things considered, doing pretty well. It's only a somber week if you weren't watching the RNC. Because if you're watching the RNC, then COVID was over. The economy was doing great. Everything was great. Nobody was socially distancing. Uh, I mean... America had turned around. Yeah, except everything's on fire, too. All cities, all Democratic-run cities on fire. The best is here already. But the best is yet to come. And we'll get to that. But uh, as you may have heard him, uh, joining us today is Sam. How are you today, Sam? I'm doing pretty good, considering. Anxious to get going. Likewise. And I'm happy to have both of you today here again uh, to get started. And yeah, as we mentioned, we are going to talk about the Republican convention. Uh, It was going to be our first topic, but as I'm sure many of you have heard by now, there's been a couple of events that have occurred in the city of Kenosha, Wisconsin. I'm going to try to go over the details real quick, just try to lay out some of the events uh, that went down as best as I can. You guys want to feel free to correct me, but... Well, if you guys want to correct me, please feel free. But on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, I believe, there was apparently there was some sort of dispute where an individual, Mr. Jacob Blake, was involved with, which did did warrant uh, apparently uh, uh, the cops uh, showing up uh, to intervene in the dispute. This was caught on film it was it was caught on camera based on what we can see the the police officers were i mean i don't know what what the word is not interrogating but they were they were confronting confronting mr blake uh, uh and, they would probably call it like a terry stop they had they had sort of yeah. stopped him and they were in te- t- for, for like a periodic, a, a temporary detention kind of thing. Yeah. And on camera, it, it, he can be seen that he's uh, walking away from the policeman. He opens the door to his vehicle. Um, apparently inside of the vehicle were three of his children, I believe. And for whatever reason, during that, he gets grabbed by a police officer. And shortly thereafter, he was shot in the back, I believe, seven times, which led him to be, at least at the moment, he, he is hospitalized. He is alive, but he is hospitalized and, according to his father, paralyzed from the waist down. It is unknown, I believe, if it's permanent or temporary. So the footage came out. Obviously, it caused, it was, it's, I, I have not seen the full details of the footage. I, I don't, I'm not going to, I, I don't, I don't think I need to watch it to, to go over the details, but Obviously, the footage came out, and it did lead to quite a bit of unrest in the city, very similar to what we've seen happen in uh, Minneapolis, uh, the Twin Cities, uh, in Chicago, other cities across America. Some peaceful protesting, 
Others, you know, not not as peaceful. Quite a bit of unrest going on. And I believe, unfortunately, on Wednesday morning, like early Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, there was another incident in, involving a 17-year-old man who was armed with an eight, eight, AR-15. He was involved with some protesters for whatever reason, which led to him shooting a protester and unfortunately killing the protester, which, of course, like killed two. He killed two protesters. Two, okay, killed two protesters. My and apologies. injured another one, yeah. Okay, so two dead and uh, one injured. Again, this is a 17-year-old man. He did not, obviously, because of his age, could not legally carry the, uh, the rifle that he had. The curious part about this is that he was not detained on the spot. He actually walked away from the scene, got in his car, drove back home, which is actually across state lines to Illinois, where hours later, uh, maybe the next day, he he finally was uh, approached by cops and did turn himself in when when uh, the cops actually went to his, to his home. There's footage of this as well, and there's clear footage of him walking away with his arms up basically trying to give himself up to the cops, knowing he just killed several men and vehicles, like several vehicles, police vehicles driving past him and cops walking past him. And they did not detain him until and several. And the protesters pursuing him were yelling out, that guy just shot a bunch of people. Yeah. And like the cops were, or the emergency first responders there were responding to the injured people, but they kind of just let the guy with the, assault rifle walk past them even though everybody was like that guy did it <laughs> yeah it was quite it's quite a thing to see on on the video yeah so we get a very very shocking contrast juxtaposition of of a black unarmed from what we can tell now there there is a report stating that perhaps he had a knife or there was a, a knife inside the car or he might have had a knife on, on hand really the the the, the reporting or or the uh the eyewitnesses have obviously, in regards to situations like this, have uh, been kind of all over the place. But So from the video, again, it's a video, it does not look like he has anything in his hand. It also looks like the cop is saying, drop the knife, drop the knife, even though it does not look like he has anything in his hand. So I'm not really sure what's going on. I don't even know if there's sort of an official account of what's going on yet. There is. Um, there is an official account. Is it that he was reaching for a knife? Well, it actually just came out today, and it's a police report that came out today. They did say that, one, they were responding to a possible known warrant on, on Mr. Blake, uh, and that he did uh, have, a, have a knife and they were aware. I believe the actual uh, report says that they were aware of him having a knife. In the car? Yes. So he said, I have a knife in the car? <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, it sounds a little, it's, it sounds a little, did, did he tell them he had a knife in the car and he was like, I'm going to go get it and stab you? We don't know. I, it's I don't a know. clear, like, according to the reports, he did tell the police officers that he did have a knife in his possession, yeah. whether that was on hand or, or in the car, that's, that's unclear. Well, so the worst case scenario for, for him well, let's go with the the scenario that he 
had a knife. It's still an utter failure of the cops to de-escalate the situation, to basically grab a guy as he's entering a car and shooting him seven times in the back. That that's the best way you have to to de-escalate. I don't don't know. Yeah, Uh, and that's yeah, that's really I think the main thing. But based all things considered. It it was a failure by cops to properly de-escalate the situation. It did again. I'm I'm not an investigator, but there's no cl- clear indication. Most people have claimed that there's no real clear indication for for Mr. Blake to be shot several times and to be paralyzed right now. Um, and in contrast, there's probably quite a bit of evidence to suggest that the I should mention the shooter's name. It's a uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, 17 year old shooter. Plenty of evidence right on hand that she should he should have been detained on the spot. He should have. It's, I think he definitely he should have. Definitely been should have. Yeah. So I've I've watched as many of the videos, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna distinguish between sort of what uh, maybe what this you know they've charged him uh, with a couple of different things. Most most of them are unintentional, but I think one of them is intentional, uh, sort of premeditated murder. Premeditated doesn't mean sort of plan for days and days it just means you you fired the weapon with the intent to kill and you had that intent and then you killed someone that's what premeditated typically means um so what happened in this video in the series of videos that i'm able to see is that there was some sort of confrontation and you do see videos of this kid uh he's he's with the militia group came down came across state lines he is behaving as if he is a cop in a lot of ways in these videos. He's telling people who are recording him to sort of move along from the area. <laughs> like he, he's behaving as a cop. So there is a there's a question there of how this confrontation started. Because uh, as you may know, if he started the confrontation, whatever that may mean, uh, when it gets in front of a jury, if he started the confrontation, he's not able to really claim self-defense. You know, you can't right. start a fight and then end the fight by shooting the other person and claim self-defense. That's going to be a big question in this case because the guy that he shot was unarmed and in the video he threw something which a lot of the conservative websites were saying was a Molotov cocktail, but according to the police report, it was a plastic bag. The guy threw a plastic bag on him and they were chasing him. Again, we have no idea what the confrontation was prior to that. Uh, Was he, you know, acting as a cop and telling them to move along? Was he... You know what? What what happened before then uh, to provoke the confrontation? Uh, he turns around. The guy behind him is not armed. Uh, shoots the guy in the head. Um, I think that's the one that they're calling intentional. Maybe not. But you know, at very best, against that guy, he has a claim of imperfect self-defense because he thought you know he might have been in danger. But again, the guy was unarmed. He didn't have a Molotov cocktail. He didn't have a deadly weapon of any kind. Well, you know, I, I, I did not mean to interrupt there, but I, I agree with you. But it's the interesting contrast to me is is essentially how the police department has reacted to this. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, they blame the protesters. They're like, well, the protesters were breaking curfews. So, you know, some of them got murdered. It happens. That's not exactly what they said, but that's kind of how it came off in the press conference. Right. And, and I'm going to read a quote here from the uh, police chief of Kenosha, 
in regards to, he was being questioned to, uh, in regards to the, the incident with uh, Mr. Um, what's his name? Mr. Rittenhouse. And the exact quote is, everybody involved was out after the curfew. Uh, if the person had, uh, the persons had not been in violation of that, perhaps the situation that unfolded would not have happened. So again, blaming, blaming protesters for being after curfew. Uh, last night, a 17-year-old individual was involved in the use of firearms to resolve whatever conflict was in place. Uh, that's very specific language to essentially describe uh, somebody sh uh, shooting and killing two it's strange. I, th I think what he is trying to do is he's in trying to inject as much. I, I think they don't want this kid to be charged is what I actually think, uh, because they. You mean they, the police, right? Well, I also think the people who brought the charges think that they may have overcharged him and they think he's going to get acquitted for that. It's possible. I mean, again, he's 17. He's a straight-laced kid. And again, these factors should not matter, but they are going to matter in front of a jury. Yeah. You know, he was uh, in a neighborhood, in a in a dangerous part of town, really where he should not have been, with a gun. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it sounds absurd, behaving as if he was a cop and provoked some sort of confrontation. Or, you know, maybe he didn't... Pro there, there's also the question of, I mean, is holding that gun in violation of the law in and of itself, very provocative. Um, that That is a good question. Yeah. I, I do want to say that at the, at the other murder, uh, or the other killing, sorry, is, uh, you know, they were chasing him down, and several protests were chasing him. Several more joined when they said, that guy shot someone, and they all started chasing him and trying to disarm him, and he turned around and he fired on several of them, including one of them that was pursuing him and then put his arms up and he still fired at him. Yeah. He didn't hit that guy. I believe he hit another guy, uh, killed him and hit another guy in the arm who were again, trying to disarm him. And a lot of the conservative talking points about this, I think it's going to be, I mean, it was, uh, while he was trying to defend himself because they saw, but it doesn't make any sense because I mean, since when does a shooter, somebody who just killed someone, have any right to defend themselves against people trying to stop, detain, and disarm them? <laughs> it's a, right. it, it would it would literally give him the right under under that logic. It would give him the right to just sort of kill everybody in who was trying to detain him on his way to the turn himself into the police. I like just murder right. everybody. Uh, it's you know that's not that that's the legal argument the moral argument is a little simpler which is like what the hell was this person thinking uh what the hell kind of culture is created where this person thought it would be a a smart move a a sort of helpful move to to go police property with a deadly weapon in a state that is not his own without any sort of training. I mean, it's just ludicrous. That in, of, in and of itself is, is pretty reckless. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I, you know, the, the moral case I think is, is, is very simple. The people defending him from a moral perspective are, are ridiculous. Yeah. The legal also... case might be a little fuzzier, but. 
Right. And I also think there's the social case, right? Because like, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an expert of, in regards to the law and the judicial system. But I think the very basic thing that we would want, ideally, is for both Mr. Rittenhouse and Mr. Blake to, uh, to go through that due process. Right. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that due process is going to be perfect in its own right, but we need to get to that first step. And, and I think that's that's this specific series of events highlight the issue in America today where we have failed to get people their right to due process based on certain uh, a certain criteria. Right. So in this regard, it did not lead to the death of Mr. Blake, thankfully, but he did not provoke getting shot in the back and being paralyzed. Mm-hmm. He deserves that. Uh, I don't know his history. I don't know the, all the details about that uh, altercation he was particularly in, whether he'd, uh, it, it warranted him being, him being approached by the cops during that time. But at the very least, he deserves some sort of due process. And he did, he did not deserve to end up in the hospital paralyzed from the waist down with, with uh, seven wounds in, in his back. Likewise, you know, even though I, I think Mr. Rittenhouse should have been detained right away, I, I, I'm glad he got detained, right? Like, I'm glad he's in custody and, and we can go through that due process. I'm not here to, to essentially just, I mean, I think he, he was, it sounds like he was being completely reckless. But I do not think I need to intervene and say he deserves this, this, and that. Mm-hmm. There's there's a reason why we have a court system for that. But if we, as a society, can't even get those two individuals in the same place, which is allow them that same due process, then we're not functioning uh, mm-hmm. as a society, as, a, as an equitable society. And I think that's the main point here. Like I, every time I see this happen, um, it's it's two things. One, we want to go into like defending somebody and saying, oh, it was self-defense. It was this and that. Uh, they the, they don't deserve to, to be detained or, or, or be uh, um, arrested or be in jail. And on the other end, it's like, oh, well, what did he do to, to deserve this? Or what did he do, do to, to be uh, paralyzed or to be dead? You know, like, and it's like, you, I, to the people that jump to those kind of. <laughs> he counterfeited a $20 bill. Yeah. So, you know, he, like, so he deserved to be, you know summarily execute you know i I don't want to make light of the situation it's horrifying but that's that's the kind of trade-off we're talking about the people who are going yeah well he you know he resisted you know some of these cases it's literally like they're resisting arrest in the most nonviolent way possible in this case you know i don't know all the circumstances but it he was walking away (laughs) he was not he was not uh fighting back or anything or 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 lunging at them and it just seemed like a serious improper use of force by the cop um and one that i think that uh hand in hand with what we're talking about due process it's 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 the kind of thing where people are like well why are are the cities burning it's like well because people are not being treated fairly (laughs) and when you don't have uh when cops get away with this kind of stuff uh people are pissed off and that's why things are burning down. Um, It's not rocket science. Uh, I think they're being pretty clear about it too. So it's, it's a wonder that people are uh, sort of confused about this point. Um, Right. I mean, I think 
I don't think it's that they're confused. It's just they don't accept it. They don't think it's an issue. Yeah, I mean, and I think for a lot of people, it's because it's it's not necessarily an issue to them. Um, you know, you hear the outcry for order, right? Like, and you you we're going to talk about the Republican convention, but you heard it all over the place. There, you don't. It doesn't have to be from extremists either. You you hear it from moderate lanes as well. That uh, first and foremost, what we want is order, and then we can go from there. Uh, but the thing is, is that and you're like, hearing it from Joe Biden and Kamala too, yeah. condemning violence, looting. Uh, that kind of thing. So yeah, and but I think I mean if we're gonna talk about order, uh, it, it cuts several ways, right? Like order isn't just not having riots in the street; it's also making sure that we don't have vigilantes, seventeen-year-old vigilantes, like uh, taking justice into their own hands and and taking away the lives of of uh, individuals uh, with uh, without any remorse or you know, at least without any even training or anything to to even warrant them being there. Uh, and likewise, order is not people, because of the color of their skin, being afraid of law enforcement, being afraid to call them when they need help. Or, And it's certainly not order when somebody can't get uh, their due process uh, because cops decide to be judge, jury, and executioner right on the spot. None of that is order. So it, it can't just end a stop and end at the protests or the riots or or any kind of looting going on. If if you truly care about order, you want all of these things in place and, and equitable for everybody. Uh, but I don't hear that. I, I just hear it with the riots and I just hear it with the protests and I just hear it with the looting, which I, I'm not a... I'm not pro-rioting and I'm not pro-looting and I don't want uh, small businesses uh, to have property damage. But if... You're, we're truly concerned about order as order for all that we need to address every single systemic issue right now this is a very evident issue with systemic racism when it comes to policing i mean you just see you just saw it right you saw it with an unarmed black man ending up in the hospital and a white man that killed two individuals uh getting to go home and uh be there for walking several away hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, how, what else is that but systemic racism? What what else is that but profiling leading to cops aggressively attacking one man and letting another man go even though he's walking away with a rifle? And people are saying he just killed someone. <laughs> yeah. Or he just shot yelling out that he just shot someone. Yeah. So um, it's it's a very, you know, it's a very unfortunate story and it's a very to me, it's almost like it's, um, I don't want to use um, light terms, but it, my apologies, but it feels like a Voltron of just horrible things that have been going on. Like you, you talk about, um, obviously, gun violence, was, which is an issue that we haven't touched upon in, in, in a couple of months because of the pandemic, but it's very, very huge issue here in America. Um, uh, we, we talk about, you know, right-wing extremism. Well, something we, you, you mentioned it briefly, Daniel, but we didn't cover it at large, is that he, this, this man, Mr. Rittenhouse, does claim to be part of a, of a militia, most likely of right-wing um, establishment. So, uh, Oh, well, he yeah. was a, he's a Trump supporter. He was at a yeah. Trump I mean, rally. 
in the front row, I think, right? Yeah, and, and I'm going to let you speak, Sam, but, but let me just finish the, my thought here. Um, yeah, so, you know, right-wing extremism uh, leading to terrorism, essentially. Uh, this has not been the first case. If, if you know, a lot, let's allow due process to do its thing, but uh, we've seen examples of right-wing terrorism affecting it. We've seen it in El Paso. We've seen it in Parkland. Obviously, when it comes to the protests and the riots and when it comes to the racial injustice, these are all topics that just reared their ugly heads really in a matter of three, four days. Um, so yeah. I, I'm really sorry, Sam. What were you going to say? That's okay. It's just when you say man, like he's a man carrying an assault rifle, he wasn't even like legally a man, you know? I mean, he yeah, wasn't even kid, legally but... allowed to carry this rifle, you know? He wasn't, and then he wasn't. But I also don't want to like. The last thing I want to do is like, oh, this kid, like, like. It's a little no. dismissive. I mean, he was yeah. stalking down a city but, street with an uh, assault just, rifle in his hands. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I I would not want to be talking about this. And we're again, I keep previewing this. We're going to talk about the convention, but I'm also very at at. At the very least, right now, very hesitant to just put put on my like political strategist hat and be like, "Well, how is this going to affect uh, Joe Biden's chances for the presidency?" I don't know. You know, like this has not been the first time that there's been social unrest, and it's been okay for 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 at least his polling numbers. But I, I really struggle to care that much when the issue here is not just real or electing a moderate Democrat. It's it's constant evidence or constant um, examples that there needs to be deep systemic reform and in a lot of aspects of our judicial system. And I just, I don't want to tell people not to protest because I'm afraid that my politician is not going to get elected. Um, it is a little silly to be like, well, you know, we need to elect Joe Biden. So probably don't protest this yeah. this thing because, racism and policing. yeah because you might alienate someone it's like i don't think the people who are doing the protesting give a fuck about joe biden's political strategy um and you know why should they uh a lot of them feel shortchanged by the system and they feel like this is a way to get people to pay attention and listen to them um you know we talked a little bit about how how amusing amusing is that the right word how how ridiculous it is that republicans will go on and on about how you know peaceful protest but then they'll turn around and any kind of peaceful protest is also an affront to the system uh colin kaepernick is an affront to the system in in their view uh the nba walkout yeah. uh is an sorry the nba strike uh and wnba and i think it's an mlb strike too but you can clarify if that's not accurate uh, uh, i think some teams did in the nhl too yeah it, the you know uh they're they're being like oh those rich athletes it, it's it's amazing that they're like well you got to protest peacefully and it's like well that never works so it's sort of like and and uh you know a few days ago i shared with you the list of of uh, reforms that have been passed since George, the George Floyd demonstration started, and it's pretty substantial. And uh, you know, not look, this is not perfect. Uh, you know, this is not nearly enough. This is not the systemic reform that's necessary. But you know, to to look at a, a list of a lot of reforms that cities are considering in in the wake of this is and. Then being like, well, this doesn't work. It's like, well, actually, empirically, it 
does seem to be working yeah. uh, in in some ways. You know, maybe maybe somebody could do a study a little bit and see how how the kind of rioting and things like that led to uh, led to changes. Um, I know that. I think the turmoil in the '60s is often blamed for Nixon's victory, but uh, yeah. you know it's also directly led to a lot of civil rights le- legislation. So, uh, like you we know, talked about we, like many times in this episode, the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. Yeah, yeah. it all it all came to front in an, in a in the context of a lot of. Uh, what would what Trump today calls race riots or or, or you know whatever? Uh, that's what they were called back then. Uh, you know, you learn about the civil rights movement in school, and often it's like, well, MLK was there, and and then he nonviolently led people to to. But it's it ignores that you know there was a uh, something like a mini civil war going on in in the sixties. In American cities, um, there was a lot of unrest. There was a lot of rioting, and it was written off as, uh, you know, it, this is the word they used. We don't really use it today, but it was written off as well the Negro crime problem, you know. Um, and then, and today we call it the civil rights movement. <laughs> so it's, yeah. it, it's. I think it's contextualizing this stuff is is important because I think how easy it is to to sort of get obsessed in the in the the moment to moment of these protests and being like well is this is this past the line is this too is this too much um ignore it, it sort of ignores the the forest for the trees in my opinion which is yeah you know we spend so much time litigating every aspect of this protest that we can't really talk about the point of the whole protest which is uh you know change reform reform of police reform of american policing i mean there's the the, they say it right no justice no peace they're not saying no peace ever they're saying no justice no peace um and and that's important because when when we uh, or at least in my experience you know and on twitter and and uh on several editorials that i've come across when it's when we talk about how this might damage Joe Biden's chances, or when we talk about how this might not lead to some incremental reform here and there, we do it in the context that whatever order we have right now, it's worked for us, or it's worked for the individuals that 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 point these things out. Uh, but the problem is, is that this isn't even a Trump thing for for a. Um, a lot of the people protesting. This has been something that has been going on for generations. Uh, and the order that that uh, all these individuals, all, all, all these pundits, all these um, editorials that, that that are out there uh, that they mention, that order did not work for them. It never has. Uh, for them, that order is not is being afraid of calling the cops because the cops might come in and shoot them. You know, for them, that order is, yeah, maybe finding yourself uh, on the wrong side of the law, but ending up dead rather than ending up through some sort of judicial process. Um, for them, that order is going out jogging and getting shot by somebody who is not even a cop. It's just some civilian who just decided to bring justice into his own hands. Wasn't he an ex-cop? Yeah, so- I- whatever it is, he's not not an <laughs> on-duty cop. Or, or No, no, he was a guy who decided to play cop. Yeah, or you know, this man, kid, whatever you want to call him, uh, just deciding to go with an, uh, into this protest with an AR-15 and resulting with two people dead. Um, that is not order, uh, not for them. It shouldn't. If, and if we were just to place ourselves in their shoes, 
we would understand that right away. But we don't do it. We just want the order that we recognize, which is being able to commute to work, being able to walk into Starbucks and get our favorite coffee, and being able to live our our lives as as normal. But that's privilege. That's not justice. Anything else you guys want to share regarding this? Yeah, in the context of the convention, which I... Yeah, and we're going to get to The gun couple, the gun couple. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So our next topic is the uh, Republican convention. We we talked about the Democratic convention last week, so it's only fair. We we were going to talk about this as our main topic, but obviously important things came up. But we do want to cover this. And we're going to, you know, we're going to try to cover everything. Good, and then by the good, we're probably just going to try to discuss what we think actually worked for for the Republicans, uh, the bad, but I want to start with the crazy, uh, because Daniel, last week, uh, you know, you had a great uh, list of uh, of the top five most embarrassing moments in a convention. It was a great list, but I think you may have to revamp, uh, completely revamp that list now, because <laughs> as, as some would say, the best was yet to come. The best was yet to come. <laughs> Do you want to set the clip up, or should we just let her do the talking? I do real quick, because I, I just want to mention that uh, on Monday night, I, I decided I wasn't going to watch it live. I, I was just going to go back and watch the speeches that everybody was praising or watch the speeches that everybody uh, thought was bad. Um, just watch the highlights, essentially. I wasn't going to watch the whole thing. But I did. I, I couldn't resist temptation. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to take a quick peek and see what's going on with our our fellow Republicans here. And it was right in the middle of Kimberly Guilfoyle's, is that that how you pronounce her name? I believe so, yeah. Guilfoyle's speech, which she was just yelling off the top of her lungs. I was just like, oh, Jesus, man, please, you don't need to shout. Uh, It was live, right? Yes. Or was it taped? Okay. Yeah, uh, so I guess in a, if she was in that auditorium and there were people in there, it would have made sense to do that. Maybe I think there were just reporters there, but no, she was. And and from our perspective, as as a viewer, it, it looked like an empty room. So it was just like, why are you yelling? It's an empty it room. Had like, a real <laughs> creepy dystopian yeah, feel. Like to read it. the room. It's not hard. <laughs> There's nobody there. <laughs> oh, but if you want to play the clip, Daniel. All right, just. She's in front of just way too many American flags, Um, all of them very wrinkly for some reason. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet. You know, like standing there with her hands up in the air. What, you know, people get so caught up in the yelling. What the fuck does that even mean? Ladies and gentlemen, lovers and fighters and. Free freedom fighters, the best is yet to come. What? <laughs> what good. in the world does that mean? When you yeah. guys first told me about this, I thought, like, from from my understanding, I thought she was just going to say it throughout the entire speech. Like she would just kept saying, "The best is yet to come," like throughout the entire speech. But it was just one time. Yeah, but, no, it was one time, but it was one hell of a time. Yeah. Um, you know, I I I want to say that um, most. Uh, conservative speeches uh, hurt my ears, but this was the first one that did it literally. <laughs> but yeah, I that was a crazy speech. Um, 
not all of them were like that, but it wasn't the only one. Um, there was, for whatever reason, they decided that a good guest to have on on the um, uh, on the speaking list or speakers list was the St. Louis couple, the gun couple. Uh, do you know their names, either Sam or Daniel? I, the McQuack more. I don't know. I don't care. I'm. I don't. I don't respect them enough to call them by their correct names. I think it's the McCormicks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they set this up well one thing one overarching thing about the rnc which we have to get out up front is that they took the lying the propaganda and they sharpened it to to a, a fine point and they just they've taken this propaganda machine that generates entire illusory worlds in people's heads and they've made it uh a well-oiled terrifying machine so if you're not paying attention to some of this stuff and you just sort of tune into this if you're not a big news person and you catch some of this i mean you would get an entire entirely inaccurate view of, of like the last eight months of america <laughs> uh not you would think last eight months last four years last four years for sure but the last eight months because you know basically COVID is something that's in the past they spoke about it in the past tense uh you know everybody the very last event was a super spreader event because nobody had masks uh everybody was seated close together there were thousands of uh i believe 1500 people um and i believe only the front row near trump was tested which i find hilarious yeah. and nobody else was tested uh in dc a city that has been ravaged um it it it's 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 kind of amazing, and and that is I really found myself when watching some of these speeches thinking, oh, they're they're gonna win, because they're getting much better at just sort of turning your turning people's brains off when they're watching these speeches, because the lies come at you so quickly that you don't have time to sort of, or or you know if you don't have the wherewithal, like I I was looking at some of these fact checks and I could I was like these poor poor guys like the the number of things that were just false throughout the evening um and i don't know if you want me to go through any of those uh at some point but uh yeah i mean uh, before we do uh because i agree with you uh for, for the most part i mean i think in terms of like how effective can the, uh, can this be um I don't think the convention itself is going to end up being that particularly effective, but I, because you, you mentioned they perfected this, but I actually don't think they were the ones that perfected it. I think they just they just taken what Fox News has done and did it campaign style. Um, mm -hmm. They, I mean, they just they just they didn't need Tucker Carlson or, or Sean Hannity. Uh, they were just going to implement their strategy of let's just let's present and project a different world than what we're in. Which is essentially what Fox News has been doing. I mean, that's that's why you get forty percent to forty five percent of Americans still approving of a of an administration that has allowed over one hundred and eighty thousand Americans to die and for our economy to still be in shambles, right? Like, I mean, you had speeches with people going like. One hundred and eighty people, thousand people dead, and you had people giving speeches like, "These damn Democrats want us to all wear masks, and and we're not going to listen to the experts. That's not what America is all about." 
there were people saying coronavirus in past tense, as if we were, yes. as if we were not having uh, 9-11s every two days, you know, in terms of death tolls. Like, yes. Right now. Yeah. But... I mean, and and there was there was a concerted effort to make it seem like well this was a thing that happened to us, um, you know, right? And and I China as virus. opposed to we have four percent of the world's population and twenty five percent of the COVID deaths. You know, the president keeps talking about how there's surges in Europe and it's always like a dozen cases, and we're losing a thousand to two thousand people a day. <laughs> yeah. It's like they they. But if you watch this convention, and I watched a, a large amount of it, some of it just in the background uh, because it was very dull. It, you're, you're, and you, if you buy into it, it's very easy to get trapped in this this bubble of information, where you're just receiving. And and again, all politicians bend the truth. I I, I don't think there's a comparison in recent history to the amount, the litany of just false information uh, that comes out of this president, of this administration. Um, yeah, I think they make the Bush administration blush. I mean, they, they pinned Joe Biden with the Green New Deal. I'm just going to read, can I just quickly list off a litany of lies so we don't have to keep coming back to this? Like, so much lying. They pinned Joe Biden to the saying AOC was going to craft his environmental policy, saying he had the Green New Deal. That is absurd. Like, <laughs> that is absurd. Um, they talked about how he donated his paycheck, which is true, he does donate his paycheck, but what they neglected to say is that he makes millions and millions of dollars every year through his private business, because unlike every other president, he didn't disinvest from his private business. He says that he keeps his hands out of it by saying he doesn't interact with his sons who run the business. You know, his sons, the two guys that spoke at the RNC, yeah. he supposedly yeah. doesn't interact with them and they don't, they don't enter politics. So, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a blind uh, trust kind of system, which by the way, that's not even a blind trust because if your family is running it, it's not blind. Um, he, they repeatedly said he had the largest tax cut in history. It was like the 15th biggest. They said that there was a recession when he came into office. Absolutely false. Uh, Obama had more job creation than he did even before the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any that struck out, stuck out as, as just very, very obviously false? They, they said, oh, God, some of them were so obviously appalling. Um, somebody said that Trump achieved peace in the Middle East. Yeah, <laughs> they I said repeated. That. They said repeatedly that he ended wars. What wars did he end? And then they also said that he didn't start any wars. And then Pompeo came on and was just talking about how they start had already started a war with Iran, like a, a secret war with Iran. It was, it, I, I, it's just, it's just appalling. I don't know what wars he stopped. He's in, escalated every war that's ongoing right now. They they paid like lip service to ending endless war, but I mean, clearly they have no interest in actually doing that. Uh, yeah. They're they're massively boosting military spending. Um, oh, of course, Biden is a socialist. Biden has pledged to defund the police. Biden is a Marxist. Biden is secretly Bernie Sanders in a mask. What else did they say that was false about Joe? Completely false about Joe Biden. That he couldn't. It was something about he couldn't light his own state or something about California having that power outage because of. 
And he said, when, uh, well, I think this is what the DNC Biden said, I am the light. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and he uh, said what? And then Trump and all the other people that I saw were like, you can't even, like, they can't even keep uh, California. Can't even keep yeah. Oh, I got one that's repeated at ad nauseum at every Republican thing. Joe Biden supports taxpayer-funded abortion right up to the moment of birth. Absolutely false. Uh, he supports general limitations up to the first 20 to 24 weeks is what uh, Biden currently supports. Yeah, they also mentioned that they added 9 million jobs in the last three months, not taking <laughs> into consideration that that that's, we lost like 30 million jobs or 40 million jobs in the uh in, in the last couple of months before that. So it was just jobs that were regained after the uh, pandemic took its toll. They claim NATO is, Donald Trump is doing a, a, a grand uh, bargain oh, yeah. and he's got NATO to pay more, which is false. It's, I mean, he has gotten them to pay more, but they've been paying more before Trump was in office too. The very fine comment, they said that that's a lie even though it happened. Very fine people comment. He got out of the bad Iran deal. That was but, great, yeah. He yeah. got out of that bad. But I mean, that's not a um, lie, because he did get out of the deal. I guess I guess calling it a bad, bad deal. It's not a bad, yeah. Well, yeah. Now well, he's freed up bad. Iran to make yeah. to no, achieve was, nuclear weapons. Uh, it was in his speech, which we're going to get to, but also like the uh, embassy in Jerusalem costing less than $500,000 to yeah. open. Uh, when 20. 21 million, I believe. Yeah. Million to open. Um, yeah. I mean, the lies were. Oh, over. Pence, Pence strongly implied that David Patrick Underwood uh, was a DHS officer that was shot. He strongly implied that he was shot by Black Lives Matter people. He was actually shot by a white supremacist member of the Boogaloo movement. And he, he mentioned it you know, in the same breath as the protests in order to draw some sort of comparison, which is, I mean, obviously he was trying to get people to think that that a leftist had, had killed a guy when it was actually a right-wing guy. Yeah. Uh, Biden has said he doesn't want to cut funding for law enforcement, unfortunately, as much as we would like him to. <laughs> yeah, that's... They said Joe Biden was against fracking. I mean, that's the problem with trying to fact check. You could go on for hours. Honestly, you could go on for hours uh, because they com they paint a completely illusory picture of the world. And that's why I think that they, they have a good chance of winning. I just, it, you know, they're just very skilled at it. When I was watching the Trump speech, um, I, I wish, like, they could just stop every time he said a lie and just said that was a lie. But then the speech would have lasted, like, you know, 10 hours or like 15 hours or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it was already like incredibly long. Yeah. Uh, and, but you do know, you, I mean, do you guys want to talk about individual speakers? I can, I can mention that if, if you want me to list uh, speakers that I actually think are effective, I felt like Tim Scott, Tim Scott, was that? Uh, Definitely. The, uh, was was the better one uh probably the best speech of, of the entire convention agree he uh, and i don't want to sound like you know i don't want to get canceled here because uh, i'm just going to sound like i'm just comparing them because they're both black men but the uh, the republicans and the right have always tried to kind of 
find their own Obama and that there's been pre uh, people like Bobby Jindal and, and Marco Rubio that have like briefly received that label. This was honestly the closest Republican speaker that I've come across where I felt like he was genuinely a group a very strong speaker like it, it was not like he was just better than um uh trash which is usually what what i hear from uh no offense to republicans but they don't, they don't have a lot of great speakers uh he was just generally very very effective um and i if if he was the vice president i, I would honestly be a, a lot more worried um than compared to pence um i thought nikki haley she got praised a lot. I thought she was fine. I thought she was kind of boring, you know, but she was she very robotic. Yeah. Honestly. And uh, Nikki Haley offended me. Man, uh, this again, this might get me canceled, but uh, she was extremely robotic and from the same people that say Kamala is robotic. At least when you look at Kamala, she seems like a uh, she seems like a person, like a normal person. When I look at Nikki Haley, I see a very scared uh, fro sort of frozen Indian woman sort of in a white person's body. It's very unnerving because she is Indian. Uh, she goes by Nikki Haley. And that was what kind of offended me a little bit about the speech as she talked about how America is not a racist country. I should know when my parents came here, they were treated poorly because of, yeah. <laughs> uh, of, of the turban they wore. That was her example of how America is not a racist country. I mean, it's not, I understand that she meant like it's not, in its essence, a racist country, but why that was such a poor example. Why did you even bring it yeah. up? Why didn't you bring up something else where someone was nice to your family? Yeah, um, sure. It was just a, it was just a strange speech. I found it very robotic. I don't understand the people saying she's like the future of the Republican party. Uh, did, was she in the primary this last time? Uh, with no, Trump? She's, no. no, she's never, I believe she's never ran for president. Um, not like in, in, in any previous primary either a lot of people well, she's just, obviously going to and i think that she does not i mean she's just not an impressive individual i find it just in terms of you know I, I you've heard my criticisms of kamala i think kamala is a much more impressive just personal individual when she's out there talking than than uh nikki haley who i find uh very kind of creepy <laughs> the sort of empty look in her eyes kind of creepy but Let's see, Kayla McInerney, and I'm sorry this just turns into us like kind of spitballing on the random stuff we remember, but uh, did a very, very, dis again, part of the whole dishonesty thing. And the thing that a lot of the speakers did was just tell sort of a personal story of the time, like, like Kayla McInerney, she had like a, a pre-existing condition, which she actually said it was a pre-existing condition. Um, and the whole point was of the speech was that Trump like called her to check on how she was doing. But that was it, you know? right? But, but, yeah, it was just yeah, like that's it. Donald but Trump she used the word, it. yeah, and she used the word pre-existing condition, I guess, as like a buzzword to be like, yeah, Trump wants to protect pre-existing conditions, which is another absolute fabulation on the part of the Republicans. Uh, they've been trying to do nothing but gut this thing in the courts and be a legislation. Um, but you know, her story. Again, you know, uh, Ivanka told a story about how, like, her grandson built a Lego White House and Trump put it in the Oval Office. And it's like, so the story is about how this guy is nice to his grandkids. I, I, 
it, it's very strange that you, the people who are telling like the nice warm stories about Trump tell these stories that are like, he showed me like the normal amount of human decency, <laughs> like the normal human amount of, of decency. Um, I remember see, I, this other speech. I don't know who it was, but she, she was in prison and Trump released her. That, yeah, actually that, other than Tim Scott, I thought that was one of the more effective speeches uh, yeah. because he did try to do this like double, and that is one of the people who I think was probably one of the only sincere people up there who actually wanted to help Trump win because uh, he to, literally let her out of jail. Just to mention, I, I believe you're referring to Alice Johnson right um she was freed um or she was granted clemency by uh, donald trump uh, actually kim kardashian um advocated for her release which what? is what really? yeah yeah that's that's what um um basically convinced donald trump to to grant uh, clemency um and she, she was invited to speak and i and i agree with, with the both of you I, I think that was one of the uh a better speeches, probably those two, the Tim Scott and the Alice Johnson speeches were uh, the most the, effective. Yeah, which that's kind of where where I land. Like, and this is just my general thoughts. Uh, my apologies for moving away from individual speeches, but I want to say it because I have an obvious blind spot when it comes to this. Uh, the only the best thing I can. Is, is sit and, and ponder, like put on my pundit hat and ponder how this is going to reach uh, moderates in the Midwest or in Florida or in Arizona. Uh, and I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's almost futile because how am I going to know? You know, I, I'm, I'm deep into my eco chamber, uh, very leftist slash liberal eco chamber uh, that I check on every day to give myself anxiety. Like, I don't know what what kind of media um, these voters are consuming or this electorate is consuming and how this is going to be uh, met, because I don't know how much these speeches are going to get highlighted. I think you're going to see the Mike Pence speech more and the Donald Trump speech definitely more and the uh, Donald Trump Jr. speech more and the Ivanka Trump <laughs> speech more. And I don't know if any of those speeches were landed as, as efficiently as these two. And I don't know how much the Republican Party, the Trump campaign and the media is going to focus on them, if that makes sense. I suppose it depends. OK, like, who is he trying to appeal to? He's trying to scare the shit out of people from the most part. He's trying yeah. to. But he's also trying to say, I'm not a racist. Right. That That's yeah. what he's saying. He's yeah. like, I'm going to protect you from the mean people. But also, I'm not a racist and you can feel comfortable voting for me um, as a whole. Although I think. There were rough speeches. I think he got that message across. Uh, it is a little contradictory because some of it was literally like one person saying he wants to fill the jails up and another person saying he wants to let everybody out of jail. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But I would say that I think they did a little bit. And I think they did it. And again, complete false propaganda. I think they did a little bit more a little better at uh, than Democrats at, at pushing the point home on a lot of those issues. Uh, again, that does not, that, you know, the great suburban, you know, having the McCloskeys up there and being like, oh, they're coming for your suburbs and they're going to destroy them and showing an absolutely fake video, uh, not fake, but a false video of people tearing down the fence and, and coming into their 
gated community when the actual video shows people walking into their fence and, and crossing their yard. Uh, not crossing their yard, just crossing the sidewalk in front of their house. But the point I'm making is it's not designed to reach us, right? Is it appealing to the people that it's supposed to? Maybe. Um, I mean, Wisconsin. Right. Kenosha's in Wisconsin. Uh, it This unrest is, you know, and we talked about the political realities of it. And when we were talking about the issue itself, we said, well, maybe the political realities don't matter that much. And now that we're actually talking about the political stuff, maybe. Uh, I mean, it's it's in the question, though, the funny issue is, do they do a good enough job of painting this as somehow a leftist problem and not a problem of Trump himself? And I think we've talked about this on the show, that if Biden is elected to a certain extent, a lot of these protests will stop. And it's not not as like an insult to the to the protesters but you're sort of losing that sort of the boogeyman the, thing the boogeyman together exactly yeah. exactly and i'm not saying that the protests will stop completely i mean under obama you had ferguson um but i i, I think that it's it's funny that the assumption is this unrest will help trump when i you know i think the idea that hey you know, there, if there's not somebody inflaming these tensions, uh, is it really going to be worse? It's probably going to be a lot better. Sam, like, uh, what what you watched? What do you think was? What, did anything stand out to you? Where, you know, he's trying to say, you know, I'm not a racist, but you know, I'll still hurt the the people that are mean to you. Um, he's trying to say that he's he's. He's trying to say that he's just basically the good guy. You know, he's going to be there through thick and thin. He's not going to, you know, run and scamper when actually that's all he does. Donald Trump Jr. literally said something like, don't you want the good guys to win again? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that that Trump Jr. speech, I'm telling you, it's like that. It's that Talking Heads song where it's like, you may find yourself behind a large automobile. In a beautiful house with a beautiful wife. I think he literally said that. Like, imagine you'll be, <laughs> you'll be uh, in. Imagine that house, you could have it. Or imagine that wife, you could have I it. <laughs> I don't think he said anything I, about the wife, but uh, that job, no, you could have it. Um, I think he actually but, did say something about having a wife. Yeah, something uh, strange. I didn't like watch, but I didn't really want to. But I think uh, just to say my general thoughts ab about it, I. I don't entirely disagree with you, Daniel, and and, and I think Sam, you also kind of um, mentioned that point, which I don't one hundred percent disagree with it. I that it, there were some things that he did do to to essentially say I'm not a racist. I think the whole like um, the citizenship, like the naturalization uh, of uh, immigrants, that whole which. I find it insulting, but I think that whole shtick to me, it didn't read as, as an overture to, to immigrants or to people of color or to uh, first generation Americans. It felt like it was uh, targeted towards uh, white suburban voters that might feel shame for voting for Donald Trump because he might be a racist. And, and again, just the minimum shit, like he's doing a naturalization ceremony. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's so impressive. You're doing the thing that happens every day in this country. Uh, yeah, just the, which, the very minimal thing. But 
In terms of like my thoughts, and again, I'm, I'm coming from this very blind spot perspective, but I'm going to just compare the Democratic uh, convention and the Republican convention. And I feel like in terms of effectiveness, they both ended up in the same place. Uh, they did it different ways. Uh, I don't think Democrats were particularly focused uh, on policy at large. They were focused on a coalition uh, and they were focused on very much making Joe Biden seem like the most decent human being you'll you'll ever come across uh, a person that that has griefed uh, uh, unlike anybody else has and has and understands loss and understands pain uh, and can shepherd this country through this very dark time. Um, whereas I think the Republicans they they were focused not necessarily on specific policy but they were focused on on using you know the the Democrats are are run by the left. They're going to allow the streets to burn. Uh, and if if you let them win, we're going to lose America as, as we know it, uh, which is, you know, the same hope versus fear thing that we've always kind of pitted against each other the, the last couple of years. But I don't think either one of them did that much better than the other. Um, I think if at the end of the day, if you were a, a strategist in, uh, in both campaigns, you're A, you're relieved because there was a lot of questions going into these conventions and how they're going to um, be perceived and how they're going to end up and, and how they're, if they're going to be able to pull it off. And I think both parties did. Uh, but B, you're probably going to be a little disappointed that the other side didn't screw it up either. They did it practically as well. So I felt it was basically a wash until the Trump speech, where... That speech was bad. Yeah, um, I thought it was, it was very, very bad. Yeah. And I'm going to say, I, I want to make sure I say, I, it was not bad in my view. Like, I'm not saying it was bad because of the horrible things he said or because of the lies or because of, of the misleading part. It was delivered poorly. It was written poorly. It was edited poorly. Um, did they write you know, a second draft of it or did they I mean, just kind of wing it and then know. just say, well, Trump will and, figure it out? Most of all, like he did a poor job. Donald Trump did a poor job. Like he, he was, I don't know why they decided to make it an hour long speech, but he couldn't get through it. Like towards the last 10 minutes, if you look at that, like he's done, he's as bored with he that speech. Profusely throughout yeah, that and, entire speech. And he was as bored with that speech as I felt I was bored <laughs> listening to that speech. Like he felt like he wanted to finish up um, that time where he just said like, I accept your nomination, which is, generally supposed to be kind of like the like hurrah moment of the speech oh that's was, the only line i remember i profoundly yeah, accept a, this nomination <laughs> he was saying, uh, I, prof I profoundly accept this nomination like he was just like just, just get me off stage like which again he talks about joe biden not being able to pronounce words and he fucked up the word proudly like did he even read the speech ahead of time why would he say profoundly no, i don't know that amazed me was when I heard that first sentence come out of his mouth, I didn't even understand it. I had to rewind it and make sure I listened to it correctly because I didn't understand it. It didn't make any sense. He did fuck up a lot of words. It, he was straining at certain points, uh, He's, which he, is funny because they laugh at Joe Biden and say, well, all he does is read the teleprompter and then Trump can't even yeah, read do the it properly. Like he, I was just about to say, like he sounded like what Republicans said Joe Biden was going to sound like. Yes, that that is a very good point. Yeah, 
He did. So at that point, like that was the main difference. I felt like from a production standpoint, from like the way that every other speaker t tried to do their job, I felt again, I'm I'm biased, so maybe that's the problem. But I felt like both conventions were like, eh, it's it's a toss of which one was better, until. Mm. The fact that Joe Biden's speech, which we didn't cover last week because we we uh, recorded before it aired, pretty good speech. I, I I'm not gonna like I I saw a lot of like kind of what felt like hyperbole around it uh, around that speech. To me, it was good. Um, he did what he had to do. It was 24 minutes. He sounded, you know, quote unquote presidential. He did his job. Um, this speech was uh, done. Um, mm. I mean that—that's what I'm going to describe. I'm not going to. Uh, yesterday, I felt like, oh, this is the worst convention speech I've ever heard. But I'm, you know, I'm going to tone that back now. That was probably like a knee-jerk reaction, but it was a dud. It was not a good speech, and it was not yeah. a good speech by Donald Trump standards, which is the main thing I want to <laughs> emphasize. Like, that was one of the worst speeches I've heard him say. It was. It was the second longest inauguration speech in recent history and the first one was his 2016 <laughs> speech really yeah <laughs> wow that was yeah, the it, first this longest. was mercifully like 30 minutes uh shorter than that speech but um, yeah, it was still an took, hour long i took some notes here uh i don't know if you guys want to hear look how slowly he's walking down these steps is he okay because he was walking down the steps rather slowly he said profoundly except that's a fuck up why does he think Joe Biden's brain is broken? Uh, talking about China, he, God, they touted that China travel ban like it was yeah. the cure to everything. He's like, I banned China from coming here. Well, first of all, no, that you let a lot of people in from China. Uh, and by the way, you took forever to ban Europe. Uh, and when you finally got around, which Europe is where it spread from, and when you finally got around to banning Europe, you accidentally banned European trade. I love telling that story. The one time Donald Trump accidentally banned European trade um, from the White House, and then they had to issue a statement saying Trump said that he was banning not people and car. He said people and cargo, and they had to issue a thing and said not cargo. He's not banning trade from Europe. Um, anyway, he they they issued they talk about the tra China travel ban like it's the be all end all. And it's like, hey, motherfucker, do you know where we're banned from? The entire world. The United States is currently banned from the entire world. Uh, so it was it was a little rich, them talking about the the China ban for so long. He touched on monuments, which I was I was like, are you serious? Who the heck cares about monuments? It seemed, I wrote here, did, did they hit him with the tranquilizer dart before he walked out there? A sleepy dart. Um, it was, yeah. Sleepy, about an hour um, and 10 minutes into the speech, I tuned back in and he was talking about Annie Oakley and covered wagons. And I was like, motherfucker, 180,000 people are dead. Yeah. <laughs> what in the fuck is going on? Oh, oh, oh. And the other great line, we pioneered the fatality rate. Uh, it was a fuck up, but sure. very, no, very no, uh, clever little line. Oh, he did talk about Middle East peace. And an, uh, end Which he accomplished. Period. Which he accomplished. Jared Yay! finished it up, and yeah, yeah, it was very boring. It was a like, bad he just speech. brought up some stuff that I'm like, dude, this is not gonna resonate with anybody. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to minimize it, but when I heard like the pipeline pipeline XL, I was like, I have not even heard that in since like pre 2016. It's I'm, again, I'm not saying it's it's not important or important, but it's just like we're we're. As an electorate, not even focused on 
on that right now. Like, why are you bringing this up? Like, you could have taken 30 minutes off of that speech and it would have been right, right, uh, widely uh, stronger speech than it, than it was. Way it was, stronger. It needed, yeah, a good a good 30 to 40 minutes cut out of that sucker. And, and, I mean, they kind of made stronger. it 10 minutes and he could gotten his point across more easily. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think like the the strong parts, which they were not a whole lot. I actually maybe that line, Sam, that you mentioned, where it's like he says he's the uh, Nelly of the light, but he can't even keep the lights on. Uh, I was like, well, that was something, I guess. <laughs> like that was, mm-hmm. but I mean, that was that was a speech devoid of moments, uh, even though it was an hour long, which is not what you want when it's your main guy so you're not great and you know you're getting a bunch of people sick in order to do it <laughs> yeah and you know you what, that like, clip of rudy giuliani just sweating in the crowd yeah. and wiping his sweat on his wife or the person next to him it was really well, he had like a little towel yeah. right? like he was yeah he was, i was watching it like twice the speed so yeah. I, I thought the crowd thing was just a mistake because not not only are you are are you exposing people? And these stories might come out two to three weeks from now that um, positive cases came out of that um, of that speech. But uh, honestly, that was a low energy crowd too. Like they were like politely clapping um, thirty minutes into that speech. Like they were done. Um, mm-hmm. It reminded me of a wedding. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, like that was that's the most. Like it was like a wedding ceremony, and then there was like a groomsman giving a speech that's way too long. Uh, and, and everybody's like, yeah, he's too yeah, drunk. yeah, yeah, because yeah. yeah, he's drunk. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's like, all right, all right, wrap it up, wrap it up. Yeah, um, but that's that's all I have to say. Um, again, I I think we mentioned this last week. Conventions probably not that consequential when it comes to who's going to win the election or not. Uh, and I think that's very much the case with these two conventions. I think a week from now we're not going to think about it. But what you mentioned, Daniel, about them being so good at lying, that will go on, right? Because they're going to continue those 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 lies. Those uh, mm-hmm. and they're going to continue to be good at lying and good at getting away with it. So that may have consequences. Obviously, the unrest going on in um, in cities in the Midwest will will have consequences. But you know, ultimately, I think. I guess congrats to both uh, campaigns for pulling off the first ever whatever virtual. Uh, conventions until the Trump speech or the yeah, last right. I was gonna they, say you know, that, was, until, that was just again right until what? the but I, I, it was still for the most part uh, coronavirus convention for better or for worse. How about I play you some clips of my favorite speeches? <laughs> okay, it, it, only if you want to. If you think it's a waste of time, we don't have to. No, we can we can end it on. Okay, a few, a few, a few. Okay, this is here is the Don Jr. Let let me set this clip up. All right, imagine you're getting home late from work. You're uh, falling asleep in front of the TV. You wake up. You're, you see an infomercial with a sleazy-looking guy. He's on a boat drinking a cocktail, surrounded by women in bikinis, and he's yelling at you about his new scheme. Life you want to have. One with a great job, a beautiful home, a perfect family. You can have it. Imagine the country you want to live in. One with true, equal opportunity. 
where hard work pays off and justice is served with compassion and without partiality. You can have it. Imagine a world where the evils of communism and radical Islamic terrorism are not given a chance to spread, where heroes are celebrated and the good guys win. You can have it. That is the life. That is the country. That is the world that Donald Trump and the Republican Party are after. And yes, you can have it. Because unlike Joe Biden and the radical left Democrats, our party is open to everyone. It starts by rejecting radicals who want to drag us into the dark and embracing the man who represents bright and beautiful a bright future and for beautiful all. future for Oh, all. yeah, my favorite part of that clip, besides the whole very, very strange, uh, do you want a hot wife, a suburban house, a Jeep that uses way too much gas? You can have it if you dream it, is the part where he <laughs> says the, the Republican Party is open to everyone, and we start by getting rid of the radicals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. This is not my beautiful wife. Um, yeah, that, that speech, but you know, even then maybe the best speech from the Trumps. You thought so? I thought Ivanka's speech was probably the best. Really? I I thought she was boring. Oh yeah. I mean, but they were all bad. Let me start with that. Like this is, this is a, a pick your poison type of solution or situation, but. If you're a team Ivanka, man, that's fine by me. I thought her speech was good. It was very generic. Uh, this is uh, Kayla McInerney. Coronavirus and the president saying, you know, look, we're, we're not going to take people in from China right now. I mean, isn't it just a matter of protecting us, our national security really being at stake? And he's sort of the last line of defense there. Well, first that's line, right. I should say. Absolutely. This president will always put America first. He will always protect American citizens. We will not see diseases like the coronavirus come here. Yep. We will not that see terrorism speech. come here. Weird, isn't right? that refreshing? They're like, oh, contra- sorry, I'm just joking. That was from you six months off, ago. Yeah, you cut off the part say, isn't that refreshing compared to Obama's awful presidency? I apologize. With the awful president. Oh, that was I can, I can so use much. to describe Let's everything see. that's going on right now. It's refreshing. Refreshing, yeah. Trump is keeping us safe. There's one last clip I wanted to play from a friend of the pod, Rudy Giuliani. Oh, <laughs> frequent guest. Actually, there, there might be two. And Trump, with his boundless love of our country and all our people, mm-hmm. his disciplined work ethic his exceptional ability to inspire, and his deep understanding of our system of government and the strength of American values is the man we can trust to preserve and even improve our way of life. Mr. President, make it safe make again. our nation yeah. safe again. Uh, which is a weird thing to say. <laughs> After four years of, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, it's funny that he's like, yeah, Trump is smart. Um, he's handsome. He's articulate. Everybody knows these things. <laughs> Hardworking, <laughs> slim, has the best diet. Oh man! Uh, all right, one more Rudy clip. These continuous riots in Democratic cities gives you a good view of the future under Biden. <laughs> I yep. like that one. Yeah, the things that's... that are happening right now under Trump give you a good that's view. That's just a preview of the future. 
and that's really in essence yeah that that kind of puts really summarizes the republican convention um however that is um well, we're done with that topic, but that is also. Oh, they also. Stuff. They. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I have to add this because this is appalling. Uh, Jim Acosta asked them about the lack of social distancing, and a White House official said, "Quote: Everybody is going to catch this thing eventually." So I guess that's it. Herd immunity, because that's what the White mm -hmm. House official said. Well, I mean, if they have a crowd there, um, that tells it all. Ah. <sighs> Well, I'm just glad the convention season is over. Um, the best is yet to come. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, folks, we do have to end our show here. Uh, we do have to, um, we do have to move on. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have a third topic today because this lasted more than an hour. But uh, we had a lot of things to cover, so I appreciate. Uh, the folks listening to us today thank you so much for joining us and i also appreciate daniel sam for joining me today thank you so much thank you guys all right and to our listeners we'll see you next week for another friendly reminder podcast